of the morning to you, and welcome to WANK, the weekly AW news kick. Uh, it's a body we shot. I'm gradually turning into a pirate. Um, <laughs> I am joined, as always, by my not Irish friend, but honorary Irish because it is is his namesake day. Uh, Saint Patrick of Germany. How is it going, Patrick? Oh, hello. And um, it is a day for him also, uh, as he is pale and ginger. Um, I could have I could have done so much more with that joke. Wasted opportunity, it feels like, rather than just poking you with a stick and saying, "Where's the gold?" Hey, hey, ginger, where's the gold? Where's the gold, you bastard? Where's your lucky charms? Shaken by his legs, it's Jack Griffin. Sure to be sure, I'm the W A N K. That's Kermit. You said that fucking Kermit. Oh, oh, it's hard to be. Sure to be sure, laddie. Applause, applause. Coming morning to you. You know what? I'm taking it. I'm taking it, and I'm running it. We are. It is our St Patrick's Day Slam special. What that means is that we are. We didn't think we were unprofessional enough, so we decided we're going to get drunk while we do the podcast. Yeah. If the podcast needed more unprofessionalism. We just add us with alcohol, and you've got some sort of weird formula, which we're going to see how this works out. Because there is nothing that says respect to a country like <laughs> reducing their national identity to getting wankered. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, so as, as part of our show, I've got a rule for you guys that I haven't told you that I'm springing on you. And, and you guys can do it at home. This can be a, this can be a drink-along show. <laughs> Right. So, <laughs> can I just say you, you're saying it's a drink long show? I usually listen to my podcast in the morning. I just got this image now of someone listening to us at like nine a.m. <laughs> like, oh fuck! Now I've got a drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Think of an alcoholic who's he was sober and listening to it. Okay, they said it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I feel like I feel like our podcast would attract a higher than average number of alcoholics, <laughs> and if they weren't coming in, they will be after a few episodes. <laughs> Especially this yeah. one. So the rules are, if you want to say something critical, you have to take a drink. If you want to say something negative or critical, you have to take a drink. And also, I can also, we will also all drink anytime you hear this. My name is Finley, and I love to drink! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when you hear, my name is Finley, and I love to drink, that's a, uh, was... Fit Finley's, David Finley's father's... Well, he wasn't called Fit Finley in WWE, was he was just called Finley. His entrance music. Uh, and onto the end, I've spliced Father Jack from uh, the sitcom Father Ted, shouting drink, which I'm not sure if Patrick's familiar with. Oh, we also will have a new segment this week. We're introducing a new segment. Are we? Patrick's hit, Pat, Pat, yeah, Patrick. Well, it's not a real... It's not a chill-out, editor. <laughs> um, it's not a big segment. It's just Patrick is now going to be naming his heel moment of the week. Um, this is in light of probably the funniest reaction to a heel I've ever seen, which was MJF being... On last week's episode, when they turned on the Inner Circle, he was... Um, he went kind of ultra-heel. Uh, and Emi Sakura, uh, Mesa Ruga, and oh, I, I want to know his name off the top of my head because I have actually seen him wrestle in DDT. I've forgotten his name anyway. He's this Indian guy. Um, they were doing a react along to the episode, and when MJF kind of turned heel on the heels, um, Mesa Ruga reacted thusly. God damn it. <laughs> so that sound <laughs> we will play when Patrick decides his heel moment of the week. 
So, dynamite time. Our first match of the night was Penta El Cerro M versus Cody Rhodes. I shall come to Jack. What do you think of this match? You know what? I think of every episode I edit, you always go Patrick first. Some honoured you come to me now. Um, Penta versus Cody. I loved it. It, it had some good good action. Um, quite quite physical match. Surprised with the outcome in the end of Monist. I, it, I was too. I was too. I thought he was... Because Cody's got a kind of... History of putting people over. Yeah. Um, but I don't, except I, when he had that TNT title run. Yeah. I, I don't think, though, that um, this will be the last of it based on sort of what's happened after. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the match, it was a great opener. I think everyone will agree. I'm still fuming that they've still got the old, um, not the old, I mean, it's technically the new Cody entrance theme with the Snoot Dog. I'm wondering when they're going to drop it. Um, because to me, it's just, you know, it's it's lived its life now. It's bad. Yeah, it's just, I'm just done with it. Um, but in terms of the match, now, um, I thought there were some good spots. I liked particularly the one where, um, and Tom will t- tell me the proper move, um, what it's called, but off the top rope. A lot of pressure. Top rope, Cody um, throwing Penta off. It was Hurricane kind of like Rana. A Hurricane Rana, there you go. That, that was particular. That was my, I'd say, spot of the match. Um but now, obviously, long story short, Cody got the win, um, and Tom will obviously do the play-by-play. But I thought I did think Penta would win. I don't know why, um, but Cody obviously got the win. But I still don't think this is the end. And obviously, we'll t- quickly touch on the end of the match. Obviously, Penta beat down Cody. Uh, did was did anyone else join him, Tom, or was it just Penta? No, it was, it was just, just Penta. Just it was Penta. Just Penta. Uh, well, there was there was there was a save made, but it was yeah, save by. QT, the Nightmare Family, essentially. Yeah, the Nightmare Family, excluding QT Marshall, who decided... well, it was initially it was initially uh, it was initially Arn that tried to save him, but then Arn just stood there. I feel I felt like maybe they got their timing wrong because he ran into the ring, and then they just looked at each other, and yeah. Arn just kind of stood there like, you know. Um, and then yeah, the Nightmare Family came down, and by the Nightmare Family, I mean Dustin Rhodes and the Gun Club. Yeah. And then Cutie came out super late and everyone's like, where were you? Where were you? It, I, thought yeah. it was, I thought it was weird he came out at all after what he did with Lee Johnson. I thought that was kind of a definitive enough portrayal of the Nightmare family. Well, it kind, it kind of felt to... like a um, the moment when, you know, with the Young Bucks were getting beat down and then um, was it It was the Good Brothers came out like super late. It was just yeah, but it, it feels, like that. It feels, like, it feels like this is happening in the wrong order because it reckon? feels like him abandoning Lee Johnson because um, he was getting beaten down, wasn't he? That mm-hmm. feels like a something far more severe than being late to a save. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, it feels like these if they were trying to get QT Marshall on a heel turn thing and out of the... Oh, they definitely the, are. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying if they were, they should... Sure, that just felt like they should be... Naturally, they should be in the other order. Yeah. I will give you the play-by-play before I come to Cat Patrick. Cat trick? Do you like cats, Patrick? <laughs> Nope. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Starting off, we had Alex. (laughs) We're back after composing ourselves because Patrick was getting revenge on me, apparently, and not reacting to my joke. Um, Alex Alex Abrahantes uh, was cutting a promo for... 
while translating for Penta with his shit-eating grin. That, and JR called out that he's kind of enjoying it too much. Do you know what I mean? He was just, he's just a broadcast partner providing, you know, commentary because he was there circumstantially. And um, he seems to be just reveling in it. Um, I did actually write down what he said. It was, again, something to do early paternity leave, wasn't it? Um, he was like, he'll have to put you on early paternity leave. It's like, do you ever see the South Park episode where um, the Apple Apple employees, the uh, Genius Desk or whatever, they're like, they're enjoying inconveniencing people to like a sexual level and they start like rubbing their nipples when they're like, oh, you'll have to bring it to the other desk. Oh, you'll have to bring it in next week. <laughs> That's like Alex Avrahantes. He's like, when he's just talking about, you know, you know, hurting Cody, it seems to be almost sexual for him. He's like, mm, I'm gonna hurt your arm. <laughs> um, Penta kind of launched himself out of the ring towards Cody. Um, started out with a lot of intensity. There was some brawling outside. Um, as Jack touched on, there was a top rope Hurricane Rana from Cody. Cody bust out a lot of, um, of moves in this match. Um, Penta actually recovered a little bit too quickly for my liking from that Hurricane Rana you talked about because that was a big, big spot. And then he was just like up and actually dominated the match for like the middle third straight after that off the back of it. And it was like it didn't feel like particularly good pacing. And yeah, he was in control targeting uh, Cody's shoulder. And then after he was dominating for a while, Cody hit a tope on him, I believe, into a barricade they had propped up against another barricade kind of thing. Yeah, uh, then he hit a Canadian Destroyer and then a Cody Cutter and then a Crossroads. After that entire combo, Penta kicked out. And I'm thinking, should he have kicked out of that? It was kind of kind of shit all over. Like, it, you know, not to mention... He was just terminated this match. Like, nothing was doing anything to him and it just felt weird. Like like that, like that, like I said, the Hurricane Rana, he recovered far too quickly for that to just completely, you know, on a, on a switch flip, be dominating the match. And then he took a ridiculous amount of moves, two finishes if you count the Cody Cutter as a finisher, and a Canadian Destroyer, which is always a high-impact move, or it's supposed to be, or it used to be. Um, and then and then Cody's honest-to-goodness finisher, and he kicked out. Um, Cody then hit the Cop Killer after this, um, Homicide's finisher, which was like, what the fuck is that coming from? Um, that was insane. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's probably not PC to call it, or maybe it is PC again to call it the Cop Killer. Given <laughs> recent events, but um, yeah, I think they call it someone else. But uh, yeah, he um, Cody then started doing the kind of limb targeting like Penta had been doing, and started slamming Penta's knee into the ring post. Um, he went for a figure four. I think Penta got to the ropes. He went for a second figure four, and Penta did a really nice, um, really nice counter of that figure four somehow into into his arm breaker. Um, and, but Cody ended up, despite that, Cody ended up getting a roll up for the win. And then what happened after the match, we've already talked about Patrick thoughts on this match and everything I've just touched on. Yeah. He touched on really good, like uh, how Co uh, uh, Penta kicked out of Cody's moves, didn't really sell them. And then also I have the problem with it. Uh, shout outs to uh, Hugh that, oh, oh, you um, have a problem. You have to drink. Ah, okay, I have to drink. But just let me finish it. Okay. <laughs> Before it's ending up in a weird joke again, we're all laughing and I forgot my point. But uh, in the end, uh, that that Cody wasn't also selling um, Panda's arm breaker move because in Lucha Underground, he used to snap arms or break arms with it and they sold it really hard. And then Cody was just rolled out of it and did 
like I said before, so many finishers, but then uh, the the match was uh, won by a roll up. Yeah, that was a little weird. So that's my criticism. But before I drink, I also have the heel move of the episode. Can you play? Oh, music, of please? course. Uh, this soon. This soon. Wow. Yes. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting this. Let's uh, pass it over to Mesa Ruga to react to whatever Patrick's about to tell us. Actually, no. Makes sense if you do it first. Got to work out the kinks. If you say it first, then she reacts. Panda wearing a St. Paddy's Day hat. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it! Indeed, he did not pull it off. No, 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 no. It's okay. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I revoke that. I wanted to do a joke. That's not my heel moment of it, but that was my highlight. You're abusing the soundbite system. <laughs> when Penta was wearing that hat, that was really cool because he's such a cool heel. You know just what? Just what for that. Say. My name is Finley, and I love to drink. We all have to drink for that, <laughs> and you at home. <laughs> but just it, worth it to get Patrick to do another one after his uh, <laughs> mandatory criticism shot. Yeah, yeah no, I think we touched on everything so there. In, in the end, it was it was a good match in the end, but it had decent some, match, I'd say. Some yeah. point, it was it was decent. It was like technically also from from Cody himself. It was a really good match. Maybe Penta made him look uh, that good in the end. I would say maybe, but. Uh, they could have done more out of it, but it was a TV match, so it's fine. It was it was a it was a good match, it wasn't a great match. I did appreciate Cody busting out some, you know, uh, different moves outside of his usual repertoire. Like I said, uh, I, has he used the cop killer before, or whatever it's whatever it's more politically correct name is? You know, the one where he gets him onto his. You know what move I'm talking about, don't you, Patrick? The um, he gets him upside down on the back. Homicide. He used to be homicide's finisher, um, and then drops him onto the head. Like a I didn't know like that it was like homicide, but I but I remember that move, and I don't think he did that before, because in yeah. the matches we saw before, mostly he was just uh, bound to his move set he always uses. So yeah, well, it's it was nice his, to see something else. It's kind of his OVW slash WWE training is the kind of bound to the move set thing, and um, you know he got that three star match machine moniker that he's been trying to break away from. But yeah, um, right, right. Next up, we had Alex Marvez uh, interviewing the Young Bucks. Don Callis interrupted them and admitted that the Young Bucks didn't actually kick him and he played up to Kenny by putting makeup on for his black eye. Um, he tells them they're not elite anymore. Um, would you agree with him, Patrick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not with him directly. But um, would you say the Young Bucks have lost a bit of their shine? than their old New Japan selves, for instance. Yeah, definitely. Definitely they did. Maybe they got more involved into other stuff or so, you know. Now, uh, I, I don't want to sound mean or bad that they are now, like, the corporate... This doesn't, count as a crit so. this doesn't count as a criticism. You don't have to take a shot. Okay, good. I, I can, okay, it. good. <laughs> no, but I, I wouldn't say they are the corporate bucks now, but they are now on a bigger stage. They, they are even... I don't know. They are doing even more or even better than before, maybe. Uh, with their moveset, but it's not as innovative or edgy or indie as it was. I just, so, I just don't know the <laughs> how they get that. Uh, like before. I, yeah, I, it used to feel like such a spectacle watching them on yep. New Japan or yep. even Ring of Honor. Um, and they just used to feel or so special. PWG, so. Yeah. And again, maybe that part of that is just not having a live crowd there. But even when the live crowd was there, it felt like they didn't have that same kind of connection like the fans are watching, like gods wrestling do you know what i mean like they like they used to have like the, the elite specifically um even like marty skull and hangman page and all that I mean, actually to be honest hangman page didn't really he was kind of the weak link to be honest he's not anymore obviously but um 
you know, it just felt like when you saw these guys wrestle, it was just something like super, super, super special. And there was just a magic about it. But I don't know. I, I, I would be inclined to blame them initially trying to put everybody over um, at the expense of themselves and them caring too much about what people who don't even watch the product say about them being EVPs and booking themselves in spots. You know, you get the fucking marks going... Oh, but when Triple H does it, you're all about... Like, shut the fuck up. Triple H is like 60. I mean, he's not actually 60, but you know what I mean? There's a difference. <laughs> it's a false equivalency. Um, so, like, yeah. I always said what they needed was an on-screen authority figure, not necessarily Tony Khan, but, like, Arn Anderson or somebody like that. Do you know what I mean? To a point as the GM. Because then it takes the heat off them booking themselves. If you've got, if you've got someone who's kayfabe booking the matches, then you know it, it can you can rationalize it in your head and make sense and that's what they always needed but instead no they they have this this um impression amongst wrestling fans that they're booking all the matches so whenever they win it's a hollow victory because they booked it do you know what i mean um and so i think to counteract that they lost a shit ton of matches they put over private party which i called at the time in the first round of the tag team tournaments to crown the first champions they put over um, Santana Ortiz in their match. I think there's another tag team in there. They lost like three or four big tag team matches in a row. And it's like, oh, the Shadow You Former Selves. Kenny went for a similar thing. Um, and I don't know, it's just taking a bit off, a sh- yeah. bit of shine off for when they actually have started winning again, you know? Um, but I don't know. We'll see. One thing I did like about this segment was how um, <laughs> Excalibur casually used uh, an insult as a segue into the next bit. He was like, Don Callis living up to his popu- uh, reputation of human garbage there. And in other news, Jay Cargo, like, he just, like, offhand called um, Don Callis, like, human garbage. <laughs> um, just, like an, just like a complete offhand comment as he, as, he, as he went into the next segment, which was Jay Cargill versus Danny Jordan. But I, I wasn't um, done yet, to- uh, Tom. Now you, can hit, now you can hit the heel moment of the week, please, after this segment. Okay, which segment was that? Don Callis telling the Bucks they don't have it anymore, and this is why they're not elite anymore. God damn it. God damn it, Don. <laughs> so heal. Um, next up, we had Jay Cargill versus Danny Jordan. What has Jay Cargill done to earn this level of a, of a, of a entrance? In her in her second ever match, <laughs> like this this is just what I don't understand. She's had one match. Um, da- Danny Jordan, who she was facing, has had more matches than her, and she didn't even get an entrance. Yet Jade Cargill has the lights going out and like like strobe lighting and like a fucking custom pattern on the floor and this kind of big you know light display and shit. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, couldn't really comment on this match at all because she did like one move a German suplex and then she um, hit her finisher which I think is called the Jaded which kind of clever I guess um, and uh, and gets the one two three um, came to Jack la- uh, first on the last one Patrick what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, shall we even talk about this segment or I mean no, can we, we can just move right on but I, no, we don't have to talk I, about the match because just... there's nothing no. What is go- like, what's going on? I don't understand yeah. I don't how know. someone's... Nah. I, is she not... Is she, is they she, just want to introduce her and make her like really, really famous that, or something. 
Yeah, yeah I but I've never Maybe seen, they want I've to never make seen... her the next, next big thing in the women's division. I think that's what they're trying to do, like a little bit like with uh, Lance Archer when he came in for but the But they TNT started that before she even had a match. But she's, they started but doing that before she even had a match. Before she even had a pro wrestling yeah. match, not just an AEW match. I don't think she was a pro wrestler before this. She was a basketball player. I don't understand. A college basketball player, not like... I don't... Yeah. I don't, I don't get know. it. They're, they're maybe proper introduction and then, I don't know. I also don't get it. Let's see what, what this will bring in the future. Her matches, are, this match was also fine, I have to say. There was not, nothing special, but technically there was no, no botch, no nothing like, not like the WWE women's. <laughs> yeah, but still like you can you can see when somebody can move in the ring and, you know, has, has the uh, athletics for it. It's some like back in the in the divas era in WWE, you could directly see when they were shitty and it was just eighty percent of the women, and you didn't see that with her now. But let's see how this will develop for the future. So, well, I was, I was very critical of that, so I'm gonna have a little chug a lug. Um, what I will say though, while I'm doing that, is something else they mentioned um, during this match. Um, this probably counts as a separate criticism, so I'll do two. I'll do a twofer. Um, they mentioned. Uh, Red Velvet, who I love, by the way, I actually thought she was standout in that match with against Cody and uh, with Cody and Shaq. I actually thought she stood out more than Jay Cargill. Um, she is number one ranked uh, for in the women's women's title rankings. Um, I've, I can't, other than that other match, I don't think I've ever seen a wrestle on Dynamite. Do you think I'll, I'll post this question to Jack because we've just spoken to Patrick? Do you think that Dark? And the dark win-loss record counting the same as Dynamite is negatively kind of skewing the win-loss record. Um, and it's, it's, do you think it's having a positive or a negative impact, Dark, on the win-loss record, given that Red Velvet, who has hardly appeared on Dynamite, is number one ranked for the women's title? I'm going to be honest. I think it's having a positive. Um, because, and I'll say this, if it either didn't impact the win loss or um, or maybe counted for less, I think when you then see these people on dynamite, it has less of an impact. If that makes sense. Like for me, if I if I saw someone, um, say example, had ten ten wins in a row, but it was on dark, at least then you're like, okay, at least they're being pushed another way, which makes sense for them to be on the main show because they're getting this little push. It seems like a bigger deal. If it was just someone, you know, who'd had zero matches um, and no one heard of, like if it was one of these indie talents that's on dark. So like Jay Cargill then. But no, but (laughs) yeah, but, um, but no, I think I, I like it if I'm honest, because it's introducing people to new talent. Granted, I don't watch it on YouTube. But I respect it's there. I see the results. I know who the people are to watch out for. Like Bear Country, obviously, they, they were on today, uh, last night, sorry. Um, and obviously, they've been big from Dark. So if you don't watch Dark, but at least you know the names. But no, I think I, I, I like Dark. I don't watch it because I don't like watching matches really um, where I know the result. Dynamite's a bit different because it's the main show. But, um, but no, I don't tend to watch it. But I respect the way they do it. And I much prefer that than them just, you know, out of nowhere, dropping someone on a Wednesday Dynamite with no kind of, no experience in AEW at all, even Dark, um, and, you know, have, expect people to give a shit, really. At least like with the... Jay Cargill. This is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, but weirdly, I quite like Jay shooting... Cargill. <laughs> just shooting something in there, but what are your thoughts? If they would do um, that, uh, make it like a leak system, so if, when you're in... Uh, 
dark you have to i don't know i have to get this and this and this much wins to get promoted to dynamite and then when you're bad at dynamite Bro, you that's get a banger dark. yes that's a no, banger no, I, I'd get on board that, yeah. just an idea and this would make people like uh, make make them more emotionally invested maybe also in in uh, lower matches like of course like the um was it peter avalon versus uh how's that guy called again <laughs> match caesar <laughs> benoni no no caesar benoni caesar. no no the guy who edits bte oh brandon cutler Brandon Cutler, yes, that was a great match. Sorry, Brandon, I forgot your name. But that was a great match, but it would put more emotion, more drive into it. But the Americans don't know about like relegation, promotion shit because they just have this league system, which is not a real league system. Sorry. That's yeah, they have no concept of relegation. They don't have a concept of draws. They don't like that they don't like when people draw in American sports. They have to go to overtime. Like you can't you can't go home and have nobody's won. Do you know what I mean? It's a foreign concept. Um yeah, no, oh, and his name is Caesar Bananarama that you were talking about, um, Brandon Cutler, so. My name is Finley, and I love to drink! He <laughs> loves to drink. Uh, to our next segment, MGF introducing his new group that would be called Pinnacle. The Pinnacle. Thoughts on the name, first of all, lads? Um, come to Jack again. I've got a bias for him tonight. Yeah, the name. So I was, I was wondering what they were going to call themselves, because... I was like, will he do some sort of clever play on Inner Circle? I mean, maybe not clever play, but like Outer Square or something like that, just like to take the piss. But now the Pinnacle... Square! <laughs> I love uh, it! But now I think... It's, I, I quite like it. I don't know whether any of you have seen the merch that they've released. It's um, It says the Pinnacle. It's a background of a mountain, um, which looks quite... Yeah, looks, looks kind of dope. Um, nah, I'm a fan. I think it's going to be hard to get me to say anything negative because I'm such a positive Nelly. Um, but no, I like good it. Job, good job you pre-drunk the most then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but no, nah, um, like the name, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, if I do a little play-by-play with this, came out to new music, uh, MGF's kind of a, a more fleshed-out, rockier version of his original music. Really like that. Um... Tully got on the mic actually first and not MJF. It was a little bit of a surprise, but I suppose it makes sense because he's not going to be there wrestling, is he? So it makes sense for him to be a mouthpiece um, of sorts. Called the uh, Inner Circle the greatest group and that they'd, you know, taken out the greatest group and now they'd kind of ascended to the pinnacle. Do you know what I mean? They're, they've become the uh, the baddest group uh, in, in, a, in wrestling and they're at the pinnacle says he wanted to start his group, start his career and finish his career with the best. So obviously he started with the Four Horsemen and um, wants to finish with the Pinnacle. Uh, then MGF got on the mic and it was a blinder of promo from him, I have to say. Started about saying, uh, guess I'm Judas now, huh? Um, <laughs> and yeah, he... Uh, says it wasn't easy pretending to like Jericho. He went after Jericho's weight, his hairline, the distance of his pecs from one another. <laughs> um, I think to begin with, um, yeah, I can't remember the joke he made about his weight. I just wrote down that he went after his weight, but it's something about, something about him running or something like that that uh, must have been difficult. And then, uh, yeah, and then his hairline and then talking about his pecs. Um, he... Uh, he he basically mentioned how he had kind of worked us all into a shoot, brother. He had uh, he had played us for fools because uh, we all thought 
and we and he's he's right he's right we're yeah. all like well it's obviously going to happen at some point well I, I remember saying I remember saying in our revolution review literally the episode before we reviewed you know him announcing this pinnacle um, I remember saying to Patrick on that I was like oh I don't know where it goes from here now MJF's probably going to try and take over the inner circle or something along them lines well, and we were saying he's going to take over the inner circle we were forever. confident and, and he was like, "We, I convinced the inner circle of it. I convinced you all of it." And to his credit, he did. Um, then he went like down the line of kind of bigging up, you know, everyone in the group. One that stuck out for me was saying um, about Sean Spear. Sean Spears saying he's always been a top guy, um, and now he's going to prove it week in, week out, which is music to the ears. Um, the idea of Sean Spears actually getting hallelujah matches. yeah I know um, and reminds us I mean he obviously he bigged up War Dog and FDR as well but uh, then he came to himself reminded us that he's only 24 and that he has 25 plus years left in him um, and was just like that's just got to make you see doesn't it and like um, and it does he is a bastard, <laughs> like, but not like Pac. He is legitimately a little shit bastard. Um, that's not a criticism because he's heel. He's supposed to get that reaction from me. This is good shit. Uh, Patrick, was this good shit? This whole promo, such good shit, such good shit, brother. Yeah, that was that was really cool. The really nice promo, not my heel moment of the evening. I can directly say that, but. Um, just for the sake that it was MJF, so you're kind of expecting it. The other thing with Don Callis was more unexpected, but that was really nice storytelling. And I noticed also that uh, I would say Wardlow is not really part of the group because he's not like he's more the mercenary from or the 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 bouncer of MJF. So I would say you can see the real like they're drawing really the 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 same characters as in the original Four Horsemen. So MJF is Ric Flair. Tully Blanchard is represented by uh, Sean Spears and the Anderson brothers are, of course, FTR. So you got that lineup like they had it before. He did introduce Wardlow with the rest of them, though, didn't he? Like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he did. He did. But he's, but he's, he's not uh, like like a wrestler that, like they are because he's not competing that often. So he's more like uh, like the manager or the bouncer or whatever, or security from MJF in that group and that constellation, definitely. But I like that, like how they introduced the group uh, and everything that that was proper. Also telling the story, uh, he fooled me. Also, I thought he kicks out uh, uh, Chris Jericho, and then last week they turned up and uh, had a complete new group. So perfect. I'm glad the inner circle were intact and back. They're kind of, you know, even though they didn't feature this week. By the way, when they were showing the um, video of Jericho taking that power bomb, that was a big bumpy took. <laughs> like. I didn't kind of realize it until they showed it from all those different angles. That was a big old bump. And and can I add something? I'm going to drink directly no, before before I say it. It's, it's criticism. Yep, go on. Mm. I drank already, but I think the logo of the pinnacle sucks. Oh. Yeah, it looks for me Jack like a standard nice. standard Canva logo you can get everywhere. It doesn't look really special. But that's my point. It's not about the logo or so, but my point. There we go. Jake, do you have a counter-argument about the logo? No comment. <laughs> get a fight going. No comment. Nah, nah. No, nah, I, I, I understand why Patrick could have that sort of opinion. <laughs> no, no, that's not... Because I'm German. Because I'm white. No, I just mean I understand why some people wouldn't like it and some people would. 
Jurassic Express and Bear Country versus Matt Hardy, Private Party and The Butcher and The Blade. Um, I'll start off with the play-by-play before I come to you on this. Uh, we had uh, Boulder and Bronson, are they, of uh, of Bear Country? They absolutely yeeted Marco um, out of the ring at their opponents. And a really kind of funny little bit here was Luchasaurus came and asked them for kind of pointers and directions of how to do that in the future which i thought was good and they were like you just you just chuck him you just chuck him um it was it was a really confusing start i thought that was was it was it just i don't know i I couldn't really put my finger on it but it was a bit hectic at the beginning wasn't really clear where it started and it was just a really weird kind of flow at the beginning um nice little spot that i kind of liked them putting butcher over um he kind of just absolutely ate a clothesline and absorbed the clothesline from luchasaurus and then hit one back like 10 times harder and knocked luchasaurus off his feet um nice exploder suplex from bronson uh kind of bear country making them look making themselves look uh look decent really bad chant which i can only assume started by austin gunn here's my swig bear country it doesn't work. It doesn't fly off the tongue. Didn't like it. Isaiah then kind of levelled Marco with a kick. Um, Matt Hardy kind of tagged himself. Oh, they hit Gin and Juice. And then Matt Hardy kind of tagged himself in as he does, as he is liable to do. Um, hit the twist of fate. Marco is dead at this point. He's taken, he took that, takes that big kick from uh, Isaiah and then, uh, then two finishes in a row, one of which was a tag finisher. Um, of course it was Marco's stunt. Poor Marco. Um, and yeah, one, two, three. Matt Hardy's music has lyrics now. I don't know if you guys noticed that. That's the last last uh, point I want to put on that. Let's come to Patrick. How did you like this match? That was a weird match. I have to say, it was very weird, confusing. Weird, right? Thank you. Can you? I'm, I'm, I'm. I was having trouble explaining what was so weird about it. Specifically, the beginning of the match. Um, maybe you can help because I was like, I don't know what I'm watching here, but it's just weird. It doesn't fit. It feels disjointed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, disjointed is a really good word. So first of all, the constellation of the teams was weird and didn't really fit together. Uh, there was no story behind that match, really. Mid- lack of chemistry from both sides, of course, in the beginning with Bear Country, but they also had it in between that it shows that they're not getting along with Jurassic Express. I guess this will lead to a singles match or a tag team match between them. But in the end, the match was also kind of pointless to me I, I don't know I, it's, it's hard to put in words there was no emotional connection for me to the match itself and then the thing you said that uh, uh, one of the There's guns of started this, this, this bear this country chant but also doing the uh, yeah but this was especially odd I think and uh, also um, the um, what was it the chant this this jungle boy oh, oh, oh they started it in the match again tried to do that this annoys the shit out of me really like Please stop it. It's just not cool when it's not done organically by a crowd, but just by a guy who's paid or who's on steroids or cocaine. I don't know. But just please stop it. Um, Yeah, I was going to talk about this later on in the show, um, about the main event, because that's when it occurred. But, uh, um, well, might be the main event. It depends. I'm going to talk about that later as well, about what was the main event officially. But... um, I noticed it in Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. Um, the when you were saying then about just don't let it be organic. It's so bad when it's not organic. The chance with fans, not just the chance, but 
I noticed it when they went into the crowd in that in that match. Um, just the overacting of being into it from from the fake crowd, from the wrestler crowd, the jobber crowd, and it's like here's here's one thing I don't understand is why 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 do that why I sound like Michael Scott in the office then why are you the way that you are. <laughs> I hate so much about the things you do. Um, no, uh, no, I, um, yeah, I, I just, they're, they're like jumping, they're like holding their face, like, oh, well, like, you know, but like in a really unnatural way, do you know what I mean? And it's like, seriously, aren't you guys also wrestling fans? Isn't that why you got into wrestling? Why don't you just sit and just forget yourselves for a moment and, for, and just, just, you know, let yourself mark out why do you have to like be so because they clearly are being so image conscious with how they react and and i just i don't know do you do you, do you guys feel that too do you notice that that they're kind of you know that fake smiles fake plastic you know plastered faces do you know what i mean it just it doesn't they don't you can tell who's a real fan who's genuinely experiencing joy and marking out and who's who's kind of faking it do you know what i mean yeah um i I do, in a way. I think it's nice having them there. They add something. Um, and, you know, kind of 50-50 times, you know, I think 50% of the times they do the right thing. Um, but I think when the cameras are then on them, they get a bit kind of... Obviously, Tony Khan's told them when you're when they're on the side that they are their characters, um, obviously. So I think they're thinking they, way too much. Yeah, they are, I, and I, I agree with you. If I if I was one of them, I'd just be like, "Look, I'm not wrestling tonight, or I might have been wrestling on dark, but I'm watching the show. Um, it's two hour live television. Just enjoy yourself. Like, watch it as an actual wrestling fan. You know what I mean? Instead I suppose, of, I suppose, I suppose maybe they are trying to, but in a sense, maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I know it was a point I complained about. So it's kind of silly me to do this, but um. I suppose, in a sense, they're used to having, like, 10,000 people in there, you know, for a crowd reaction. Yeah. And there's, like, you know, what, 50 around the ring. So they've got to, if that... So I guess they're, like, trying to energy it up as if it was a full crowd, you know what I mean? And just, Oh, massively, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Um, I, I think you can be loud without all the unnecessary stuff that they... Yeah. Of, Dick they, about, we would say in Britain. They must have been in a wrestling crowd before, so they know what they've got to do. They just That's kind what of. I mean, you, you, yeah. you've got to be fans as well as, as you wouldn't be in the business. Um, yeah, let's move on from that match. We had a promo with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. I really like this. I know, um, I think John Moxley gets some unnecessary stick, especially from people in our friend group, about his uh, formulaic promos. I actually really liked the addition of Eddie Kingston to this, and I've liked his promos doubly since Eddie's been involved. I kind of really like the banter, and I like them kind of standing backstage and kind of both looking into the camera, and it just it's a really old-school feel to the promos. Um, I just said what happened. Uh, I, I, I'm going to read this while I come to you on use. What did you think, Jack? Yeah, I like it. I've not really got too much to say because, you know, it is a promo from these two. We talk about their sort of promos a lot, but um, but no, I did like it. I like the chemistry they've got. I like that Mox has a friend now. I know we we like him as a lone wolf. You know, he doesn't need nobody, but it's like it's nice to see him have someone now. And I hope because I, I had a weird feeling. I was like, what if Eddie's using Mox to boost him? But I, I don't think he is. No. Um, I think now it's a nice friendship. But I kind of don't like how 
he's just kind of Eddie Kingston's forgotten about like the butcher and the blade and his family now. They've just like they've both just kind of out of nowhere all of a sudden by like you know the split second of just okay Eddie's gone with Mox butcher and the blade have gone with Matt Hardy's Hardy. weird sort of party he's got going on. I wouldn't like to be invited to that party. Um, He'll feed you grapes, essentially. Yeah. The recent BTU. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, long story short, it, it is good. They've got a good thing going. And long may it continue, in my eyes. Yeah. Um, one thing that absolutely creased me up, <laughs> I think, was it? Um, I think it was Kingston. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. I think Eddie Kingston compared Luke Gallows to Forky. From, yes, from yes, that was great. Yeah, that was really good. I, I lost it. That was fucking hilarious. And um, and we know that Eddie Kingston watches Toy Story now. Cool, cool dude, really. Yeah, and uh, and Carl Anderson, he called Chad too bad, which I think was his old was that his old um, ring name or something. He just yeah, they completely ripped the shit out of them. They were really funny, and they were they were taking the piss out of the um, how they call they 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 all have names for each other like hoot they all call each other hoot in the bullet club or in the old school bullet club they used to um like they used to the good brothers specifically would call them that like they called um finn balor or aka prince devitt was big dick hoot or fucks a lot of girls hoot <laughs> so apparently he got mad pussy in japan um and um aj styles they used to call republican hoot <laughs> when then we all kind of realize why after AJ Styles been quite vocal about flat earther hoot I think he should be now um, but, uh, yeah um and but yeah they were kind of um taking the piss out of how they call people hoot and uh yeah I again really like this they 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 were like questioning whether they're actually allowed to say bullet club or not they're like yeah fuck it bullet club like do you know what I mean so they're like the, the forbidden doors open now fuck it do you know what I mean so and I really like this I think if People look at this and still say Mox's promos are really formulaic and that they I think they kind of have to check themselves because um it was it was they're funny. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of his complaints before is like, Oh yeah, I'm crazy, I'm gonna kick your ass but then obviously you have to be quite a controlled guy to be making jokes like that, do you know what I mean? So I think he can you know, I don't know what more you'd expect from John Moxley. I think he, he cuts a decent promo. Next up um, Dasha Gonzalez interviewed Christian Cage. Speaking of good promos, quite like this. Um, thoughts on this one, Patrick? Yeah, that was also very good. A uh, decent one. Um, the only thing I didn't like is this outwork everyone thing, but he directly, Christian directly showed what he is uh, capable of on the mic. Uh, the thing like WWE didn't give him enough uh, time for like on the mic or so like cutting promos but it's cool that he calls himself workhorse I like that <laughs> but yeah it was a good promo I'm really looking forward really excited for his matches I also like that he said he, he pointed that out also before during the week in in uh, some interviews or news from the dirt sheets he said like he's not gonna uh, challenge Kenny Omega directly for the title uh, so he made that also clear in the promo that he will make his way up, work his way up with matches with the uh, ranking system. And I'm really looking forward to the first match. I hope it will be in the next weeks already. Yeah, not not yeah. only on Dark. <laughs> well, he did say his uh, goal eventually is um, Kenny's spot. But yeah, um, no, I, I liked it. I liked, it, was, it was a very cohesive promo as far as promo work goes. Um, he, you know, he... 
he initially said, she was like, why are you here? Dash Gonzalez was like, why are you here? And uh, why have you come to AEW? And he was like, I do want to answer that question and I'll come back to it. And unlike a lot of people who say that, he actually did come back to it at the end and explain why he was there. Um, but before that, he went on, you know, as you say, he was describing about work rate. And to be honest, I know you don't, you're not a big fan of the Outwork Everyone thing, but I don't actually think it breaks kayfabe. I think it, it can work in kayfabe because it's just like... If you think in kayfabe, someone who has a high work rate and uh, they, you know, they're given their all into their matches and that works in kayfabe or not, in kayfabe you could just have someone who's not high work rate but still wins. They could just be someone who's like conserving their energy or something in their matches. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I I do think it. I don't I don't think outwork everybody and I I more than anyone complain about when stuff breaks kayfabe, particularly in AEW, but. Um, I think it works. And yeah, he just explained that, said he wants Kenny's spot, and then came back at the end of the interview to explain why he's there, and that's to outwork everybody. And to cement his legacy, he said, um, which I think he he is going to do. I have every every faith in him. Next up, it was John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Good Brothers. I was surprised this wasn't um, second to last. I was surprised that Another match was after this, but we'll we'll talk about that later. First off, we'll talk about this match. Um, what do you make of it, Jack? Yeah, loved it. I think worth noting because I'm not sure a lot of people... I mean, it is worth mentioning. Obviously, before um, this match, when we last saw the Good Brothers in AEW, they had some sort of um, silverware around their waist. I don't know if you, you remember that, lads. The, the Impact Tag Team Championships. I don't know whether... I haven't seen it yet! <laughs> I was going to take off my headset during less important shows and you weren't going to talk to me about it. Fuck! <laughs> right. When we get to less important shows, no, I'm not talking about Sacrifice, but now I know one of them, so go on. <laughs> you little bitch boy. <laughs> you little bitch boy. Fuck you. Um, any- <laughs> I was getting hostile. <laughs> I mean, my name is Finley. Oh, I love oh. to drink. Oh, we must Been drink. A while. Hmm. All right, now I'll spoil it. Must as might as well keep going. Finley, <laughs> isn't it his son that's taken the title then? I'm not going to say anything, Tom. Um, well, but might as well now. You said they haven't got this. Now we can talk about less important shows. Um, right. But yes, so no silverware around. <laughs> maybe the they've lost it. Maybe, maybe, maybe they lost the airport security. Maybe, maybe they, they did. The match. Um, yeah. But yes, nonetheless, the Good Brothers are no longer tag team champs. Um, I mean, I kind of felt the difference um, because I <laughs> there's some obviously Kenny's going after all these titles now. There's some credibility his kind of two best mates in the tag team also have a title somewhere. So I'm wondering whether they lost the titles and then maybe gain a, a tag title off someone else. Maybe the Bucks they're building it a little bit. Um, that's just my own kind of theory. But in terms of the match itself, yeah, liked it. I thought, I don't I don't know what it is about Eddie Kingston, but he seemed a bit slow in this one. Um, I don't know if that was just me. Kingston's always a little bit slow. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, I don't think that's why people people come to the show, as it were. I don't think that's why he sells nah, tickets. I think true. it's his promos, his personality. And, but no, and also... He's a capable wrestler. Yeah. I think that's it. He's not an amazing wrestler. He's capable. Also, I love Gallows. Um I mean, I've like loved him obviously since I first watched him, but just he's just I I would let's just say I'd not like to meet him in a dark alleyway um, after a night out or so, and he scared the shit out of me. He's just 
Forky, yeah. Yeah, it's just Forky. <laughs> He's <laughs> but... just Forky. Trash! Trash. But no, I, I like the match. Good match. Um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, personally, because I think there was one match to, well, one match that stood out for me um, last night. But nonetheless, a good match. Good to see these guys, you know, going for each other. And it's nice to, even though the Kenny Mock story's over, it's also not over because I think that match, obviously, our revolution had to be the kind of the end of that kind of feud. But there's still, it's nice they've still got a little bit going. Obviously, now in the form of coming after Eddie a bit more, maybe a Kenny Eddie match at some point. Um, not that I don't, not that I think Eddie's going to win the title, but it'd be nice to see that. They seem to have a I'd little bit of a, yeah, I imagine. Um, but now, good match, not the best match of the night, and that is me done. I disagree that it was a good match. Um, I thought it was... I don't think it was a bad match. I think it was a below-average match. Um, I think... Okay, so it's, I'll, I'll go through my play-by-play. Play. Good Brothers obviously came out and attacked Kingston uh, on the rampway before he came out. That got a big kind of heel heat from me. I was like, oh, you bastards. Um, Mox obviously comes out, saves him. Um, and we did have my favourite audible call of the night from Tony Schiavone when um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of the Good Brothers was kind of they had a, they had I think they had Kingston in the corner, which they he spent far too long there, which I'll come to in a minute. Um, but I think they had like their f- f- hands near his mouth or something, and Tony Schiavone kind of loses himself for a second and goes go he goes bite off a finger, bite off a finger, and then turn and then there's silence and Tony himself just goes. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> he just, like, calls himself out. <laughs> I didn't hear that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to find it again. It was so like he was like, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting carried away here. He called himself out. Nobody else did. It was hilarious. Um, yeah, I think it was partially owing to the break and the fact that we were still seeing it on Fight TV, but there was an absolute nothing beatdown. And when I say nothing beatdowns, I mean where, like, no particular big moves happens full of rest holds or someone throws someone to the ground and then gets them in a headlock, then brings them back up and throws them to the ground and gets them in another headlock and then brings them back up. And, and there was a lot of this from kind of Gallows and Anderson doing the, the the old corner isolation on Eddie, which works and obviously always leads to the hot tag, which it did, but it went on for far too long in my opinion. Uh, Mox did get that kind of inevitable hot tag. Um, I think he hit a pile driver on... Carl Anderson was it? I th- he must have been. I don't think I can't see him hitting a um pile driver on Luke Gallows unless it was like made a big deal at like a pay per view or something. Um, the Good Brothers hit a sort of I want to say like a reverse three D kind of thing. Like instead of off the um, off 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 the front, it was like a back a back a back three D. Um, and Mox gets a another roll up pin as we saw earlier in the evening to win. Um, yeah, not my biggest match of the night. I'll talk about what happened after the match and then I'll come to Patrick about his opinions on everything. Uh, Kenny came out dancing to his own music, which was fantastic. Um, and and the, the uh, announcers had some more fun at Don Callis' expense. I think the living embodiment of Pond Scum, they, they called him. I think that one was Tony Schiavone. Um, yeah, Carl Anderson put a chair on Eddie's leg, stomped on it, and then a chair went round Mox's neck. And this is when the Young Bucks came out. Um, Gallows and Anderson are trying to convince him to do the two sweet. Uh, Nick and Mac refuse, and they go to leave. And Kenny gets really handsy and angry that they're not too sweet, and then tries to keep him in the ring, like do the fucking two sweet, you know, kind of thing. Um, 
And yeah, Mox, obviously in this time, that's taken them to kind of squabble. Mox has gotten up and, you know, is going ballistic with a chair, clears the ring. <laughs> the announcers mentioned that Callis has not only just left, but Callis has run out of the arena. <laughs> so he just... And he did that at Wrestle Kingdom once. Was it Wrestle Kingdom? Or he did that on New Japan once anyway, where, I don't know, it was, it was one of the ones where Jericho was there. <laughs> Callis just for like the first third or half of the show just ran out of the arena because Suzuki was around I think it was um, but yeah uh, and then Doc Samson was having to hold Eddie Kingston down because he wanted to get in the ring with his mate Patrick first off give me your thoughts on the match before we talk about what happened after the match so the match was quite okay mm, I guess they um, like the match was it the match before let me just look before no no yeah like with uh, Cody and, and Penta also. I think more because it was a weekly match that it wasn't that big and they might build up a bigger story around that and give them another match, maybe in a stipulation or so one day. I don't know. But uh, you know they, they are capable of more, but it was a good match. Also, storytelling was nice. Um, what happened afterwards was also really good. Uh, leaves also questions open to... Always the thing you have to ask yourself, will they form a group? Will they be together with, I don't know, the Young Bucks lining up with them or whatever. But also to see uh, what might happen in the future with uh, with that whole Kenny and Good Brothers and uh, Young Bucks um, stipulation, history, whatever. If the Good Brothers will really challenge the uh, Young Bucks, maybe on a weekly show because the next pay-per-view is a little far away now they've got the they're going to build tech it, team titles hmm? they're going to build it for double nothing i reckon or maybe a bit longer but maybe. i think they're going to build it for a but title way, match. Maybe and maybe maybe the good brothers are winning then the aw tech titles i don't know although they said like after um well they haven't concluded any storylines yet for after uh impact rebellion after the kenny title for title match so let's see what comes but this is this is really interesting like i said match not the best storyline wise very good storytelling very interesting many possibilities that might happen and i'm really looking forward to it maybe we're all being a little bit critical well maybe i'm being a little bit critical because you guys are a bit more forgiving than me but yeah i wasn't a fan of the match but you know after the match good stuff good storytelling next up we have oh fuck my life right do you guys just want to crack new drinks now, just for this next bit? Because I think we're gonna have, I think we're gonna need a drink each. Fresh oh, drink. Um, to be I fair, I'm still pretty full. I haven't finished full. my old one. Still pretty full. Haven't finished my last one. I've cracked a new one because it's time, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about Tony Schiavone talks <laughs> to Sting and Darby Allen. It's Sting. <laughs> I legit. I'm getting I interrupted Sting. again. <laughs> I think I hate Sting. I never. It's not, it's, it's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. <laughs> I I can't deal with this anymore. I'm I'm done. I'm done. Um, right. I, I, I might as well go play by play. Sting and Darby Allen are still apparently affiliated, which makes zero fucking sense. Why Sting didn't come to help him last week when he was getting beat the shit out of by Scorpio Sky? Um, Darby Allen says he's defended the title three times. The crowd are fucking idiots and cheer, thinking he means that in a good way. And he has to, <laughs> he has to correct them and go, no, that, no, no, that don't cheer. That's a, that's a bad, that was the fake crowd, was it? Like, yeah, well, no, there was no crowd thing. there. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so, it, wasn't it was a, a live tape one. show. It yeah. was a tape show. 
So the talent are idiots then. I did notice it was a tape show actually because there was some overdubbing by yeah, the commentary. Yeah, yeah, because because you couldn't you couldn't see the audience. They didn't show any of the audience. It was just dark. Um that uh, like also like Austin Gunn and so they were the only ones cheering. You could hear sometimes this fake crowd thing, and we maybe come to that later on the next match. We come to that, but if it's pre-taped, they are not uh, keeping the picture in picture on uh, Fight TV. They're going also into break. Yeah. So yeah, no. So then the the talent crowd are stupid. Then yeah, and not for sure. Really, and not actually because not of actually the guns, yeah. Not actually paying attention and actually absorbing what anyone's saying because. Darby goes, do you know when I won the title? And he was like, blah, 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 2020. Like, I can't remember the exact date. September or something? I don't know. He's like, you know how many times I defended that title? Three times. Anyone with a mind can tell, or anyone who follows the product can tell, yeah, he hasn't defended it a lot at all, and he's pissed about it. And the crowd are like, woo! Like, no! <laughs> like, that's not a good thing. And I was like, yeah, he's defended it three times. No, fuck. Um, and then he had to be like, no, 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 don't cheer, don't cheer. Like... I had to shut it down. Um, yeah, that was dumb. Lance Archer interrupts again. Um, yeah, cool. Time, him. time. This was time, your time. time. This is now your my time. time. <laughs> he didn't have the time fetish this week. He called him something like I can't remember what it was. Indie rific. I think he called. Your time is up. My time is now. He did. He did have the time fetish. He said it multiple times. Time. Time. Bare um, <laughs> time, bruv. Uh, yeah, he says he'll put him in a coffin if he likes coffins so much. Pretty much basic stuff, to be honest. I don't think it took a genius to um, write this stuff, um, which I guess Lance Archer isn't. Jake was on the mic for a while. Some all right stuff. You know, probably, probably poor by Jake the Snake Roberts standards, but still, it was all right. Um, then Taz interrupted, and I screamed. I... <laughs> I did the Michael Scott from The Office. No! No! <laughs> I was in my living room by myself, uncontrollably screaming about hearing Taz's voice as part of a Sting interview slash Darby promo. I, I'm so fucking done. Um, hopefully this is the end of it because they seem to be facilitating a Brian Cage face turn by this because Taz started trying to talk. Um, and trying to continue this nightmare, this absolute wrestling nightmare. It's your fucking um, nightmare. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, but then Brian Cage said, no, you're not going to talk for me today, Taz. I'm going to talk for myself. And then everyone's trying to stop him. Ricky Stark's trying to stop it. Everyone's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, Ricky, Ricky's wrong and stuff like this. You're, you know, you're a, you're a good guy. And, you know, you're good at what you do. He's like, I respect you. I just want to say I respect you. And then the whole team are like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Team Taz is, and then uh, Brian Cage fucks off. So hopefully, hopefully this is the end of it. And they're just utilizing, you know, their rivalry to start a new one with Brian Cage. And these two can just not, not be involved anymore. Um... <laughs> One thing to say more about this. Sting didn't say a single word. Another interview with Sting before he said a couple of things, maybe one sentence and got cut off. This is worse than it's ever been. He was interview with Sting where he didn't say a word, not one word. And it was over. But they don't they don't see the how illogical it is that people just cut off and they're like, yeah, well, we won't finish the interview. This is, we didn't even start the interview, let alone finish it with Sting. I can't I can't anymore, Jack. I can't. Just, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm drinking. Right. Um, I'm going to go with the positives before we go into negatives. Um, 
<laughs> that's not many. Christ, you're looking for <laughs> the and then a cow shit. No, no, no. No, no, the only one I could think is, I think it'd be cool if, you know, you have, like, a Cage versus Hobbs match or something. Like, the fact, basically, Cage turning face and, like, you know... Big meaty men slapping me. Yeah, big, big meaty men slapping me. That is the positive. The negative, um, Lance Archer just seems so irrelevant at the moment in this storyline like you just see right it just seems so, uh, yeah it seems so unorganically at least with the penta cody thing like at least they had a match together lance archer didn't he could have picked a feud with anyone else in that face so pick a feud with i don't know fucking ethan page cody uh not cody um where's ethan page yeah i know don't, well, I'm, but at least pick a pick a match with someone relevant to what's happened with you. Even if you have to, you know, trawl back a little bit and just, you know, find a match that you had maybe a couple of months ago before Revolution, just pick something relevant. This didn't seem relevant at all. I get that, you know, they want to push Lance Archer for titles. And at the moment, he's not, you know, in the world title picture. So it's putting him in the TNT picture. Um, but it just, it doesn't make sense. Um, then... You take over, yeah, to Teen Taz. Hearing his voice again, it's just like, aren't you gone? It's yeah, like, it's... I, I couldn't. I just, I had a mini fucking... Honestly. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like hearing his voice. It's like that bit in Austin Powers when they think they kill Will Ferrell's character. And he's like, can somebody help? And still... <laughs> it's like, uh, you're not dead yet. You're not gone. <laughs> like, it's like the that. The wound smells uh, gangrenous. <laughs> <laughs> The this only oh, has gone gangrenous. <laughs> I think that was too <laughs> negative, so I'm, I, I have two sips of my drink to take. Um, the thing I do like, though, is the open challenge to any member of the Dark Order. Yes. That, yes. that bit, I think, deserves credit because I like the fact that I think, and I, and I, I think hopefully this is, you know, a conscious thing on Darby's part, I'd like to, I'd hope, is that he even he knows, like, I don't think he's dumb. He knows he hasn't, you know, um, challenged it enough so that's why he's he's done you know what cody done open challenge i think that's right for the tnt an open challenge it's because it's a good way to bring people in as we saw cody's done um and i think the starting with dark order is the right thing to do and especially where there's the segment um coming up where obviously they nominate who to do it um but uh, i like how he didn't solo out anyone either he was like this is an open challenger to the whole of dark order yeah. face me so again that also i like the fact maybe there's a it might not just be one member of the dark order he faces maybe it'll be a couple which would be yeah. quite nice because they deserve that um well, they started out with arguably the biggest one so yeah we'll yeah about that later. Um, but, um but no but no this was it was it was such dumb shit um but there, dumb shit. but there was some little you know positives to take from it if any just before we, I don't want to talk about this much longer, but what we'll say before we move on is, I just want to remind you we voted, the three of us for our award show, uh, the holy shit moment of the year, Sting, returning, <laughs> Sting coming back to wrestling, debut in AEW, and now I just wanted to fucking go away. <laughs> how how have AEW managed to do that to someone like Sting? It's insane to me. Like I I love AEW. It's my favorite. It's my favourite promotion, I suppose. Yeah, it's my fa- definitely my favourite North American promotion. Um, I'm not sure they have the best in-ring product, but as a whole, it's my favourite promotion. I can't, I can't abide this shit anymore. I can't take it. I can't take any more Sting. <laughs> and it's like, it's honestly like he's brought a disease with him, and anyone who gets involved in the angle catches this disease, and then this this disease, how it manifests, is they just do the same shit every 
every fucking week. Like, Lance Archer's got it now, and now he's coming out and just just saying time. things and going away. And time! <laughs> time! Time! Like, oh my god. Um, yeah, I think I said everything I need to say. Patrick, sum this up in f- ten words or less. Ah! Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> After that segment, I think we're all in need of a, a, a stiff drink, so... My name is Finley, and I love to drink! <laughs> he loves to drink. Let's do as we're told, boys. And everyone listening at home, or wherever you listen to your podcast, maybe at the gym. No, gyms aren't gyms open. Gyms aren't open, and, yeah. Well, that and nobody gyms listens and to podcasts open. to see the gym in the... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the UC Peep show with Johnson, and he's like, what? Fuck you. <laughs> it, was, it was overblown. Uh, <laughs> overkill. Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> Uh, okay. It's yeah. Okay. Then we had. Then we had. Love you. Then we had a promo um, from Scorpio Sky. Very short. Won't even come to either of you with this um, because it was a whole load of nothing. Said he's tired of uh, being a nice guy, and he's willing to hurt people to get what he wants. That was the. That was the the top and tail of it. Next up, we had Ray Phoenix versus Angelico. What a Lucha Underground match we have here. Um, yeah, um, I will ask you about this before I give any sort of play-by-play. One thing I want to say, though, is what is the situation with Penta and Death Triangle? Because, um, obviously, it's called Death Triangle 3. <laughs> you know, De La Muerte, you know, de, is de, three people, right? Um, and, yeah, he seems to be heel in a traditional kind of heel-face rivalry with Cody, and these two seem to be face and tagging up and not acknowledging Penta every week, not coming out with him. Like, is Penta still in Death Triangle? And if not, are they going to have to call it Death Line or Death? Death like what's got two sides? Of death the, right uh, angle. Death right angle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Come to you, Patrick. Uh, good Give point. Me yeah. This match. This match. Well, that that and the match as a whole. Yeah. First of all, to to the Death Line or. Uh... Death right angle, I think we're standing. Death right angle. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that that it, that's really weird. Also, like uh, if they want to give Penta a singles push, which I uh, highly welcome. Really, I'm really looking oh, forward for sure. to that. But uh, I don't get why he's not coming out with them. They're not coming out with him. And uh, Pack could be also translator. Although I like that uh, Alex Abrahantes is doing that, but um, or Can doing Pac the part there. Does he speak Spanish? No, pack like they they can speak Spanish. They, well, uh, they no, can just, even if he doesn't, they can they speak can English in some way. Yeah, yeah, and they can just tell him because they obviously both speak very good English or like at one point English. So I, d- I don't think like or bring Alex Abrahantes with them in it that he's the translator of the group or I don't know, but just not letting them appear and pushing that before a lot. Obviously, we know why he wasn't uh, with both of them for some weeks because of the visa troubles. Um, but they could, like, I don't know, they could maybe involve that also in the storyline. I don't know. Uh, but coming to the match, that's number two of weird matches of the night. It was a weird match, I, yeah. I yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't get a vibe or so. I also have to say, uh, this is what I was talking about also with Hugh, that uh, uh, 
Angelico as well as uh, Jake Evans. They're like since they're back, they're not connecting. They didn't have anything impactful or so. Uh, although they're like in, in the beginning, they were very important to the uh, tag team scene. And now they're not getting like their feet on the ground or so, like you would say. And uh, they're just really uh, well, just popping up in my mind when they're interrupting for Matt Hardy, like as mercenaries, Dark Order matches. But other than that, they're not really like like yeah appearing to me at all. Like like. Um, being memorized or so and also what was really shitty in that match it was interrupted by a break even on fight yeah which just, shows yeah. yeah and that was completely weird because uh, obviously maybe maybe you also skip the break then i skipped the break there's always like uh two three minute breaks or so then i skipped that and then then the match was over already i was like well, hi and then i had to the, scroll this... back weird this is the thing and maybe it was maybe there's a problem with how they how they structured the match But the slow portion started out at the beginning. It started out with some... So I'll go by play by play now, so I'll tell you what I mean, because it's kind of necessary. It started out with... Um, uh, he, Phoenix started out with a submission, actually, and then it started out... And then it went into some nice chain wrestling. Um, and, yeah, it, Angelico was targeting the lower back of, uh, of Phoenix. Um... Tony Schiavone was actually acting a little bit here. He was like, yeah, go for the back, go for the back. I was like, okay. Um, it was, you know, because I thought Tony, uh, in my mind, Tony Schiavone is supposed to be face, except he makes this kind of exception for Britt Baker. Anyway, um, and Helico does a nice inverted Romero special, rare cool, from, um, from Excalibur. And then it cuts away, right, after the slow portion of the match, um... And it comes back, and like all hell has broken loose. Like JR's marking out. Do you know what I mean? Clearly, some good shit's gone down during the break because the match is now going at 120 miles an hour. Like I think it cut back, and fucking Phoenix was yeeting himself back into the ring, and just it clearly ramped up an extra level, and would miss the entire beginning of that segment. Um, and then, yeah, and it, like I said, it was really high pace, and then. Um, Angelico goes for the Navarro death roll. Um, uh, it gets, I think he gets out of it, and uh, yeah, and then a nice kind of combination from Phoenix, and then he hits the uh, oh yeah, the the combination. It was a it was a nice combination that ended in a crucifix bomb. I can't really describe it more than that. But then he got his pile drive with a little head kick in, and it was over, as you say. Um, bizarre, yeah, bizarre match. Jack thoughts. I mean, I know these are two high flyers. And you're a high flying fan. Um, was that enough to make this a decent match for you, or was it also ruined for you by the weird structuring and cutaways? Yeah, unfortunately for me, and I need to get another drink actually because there's my criticism. This wasn't a match I thought it'd be. I so on paper you look at this match, and I originally thought, yeah, it's a bit of a nothing match. But me being my changed ways, uh, you know, actually turned into a bit of fan TH2 and Angelico. And obviously loving Ray Phoenix. I thought, you know what? Let's not judge this before it started. These are two wrestlers I'm actually liking. Well, um, I had high hopes for it, not because they're both high flies, but because they are both former Lucha Underground guys and have met yeah. each other before. And I thought, well, this these guys know each other. There's going to be a lot of chemistry here. There's going to be a lot of just disjoint, weird and disjointed. That's kind of the theme for tonight's Dynamite up till the next match. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yes, so I went into it with some sort of, you know, hope because of how much I've been liking them and yeah it just felt very out of place very storyline wise random like there's just seen no sort of reason for this match 
other than just I would, to say, give... I would say there was less of a reason for this match than there was for uh, um, Patrick mentioned it earlier there was no reason for the was it Patrick I think the, no reason for the uh, Jurassic Express against yeah. Matt Hardy's crew match there was no point for that there was less of a point for this there was yeah. less background going this was just an absolutely out of nowhere match like feels like it felt like a time filler and I have no idea why this I'm going to talk about this a bit when we start the next match um, I'll get my drink out of the way when you're talking next because it's a criticism but um, and, and again we'll talk about them, the, them, how they're selling it as the main event or why they're selling Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in the main event when it's a lights out match blah 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 I'll talk about that in a minute but by rules and standards they've set before, set before um, this, and they even mentioned it on this show that this ends our regular part of the card this ends our scheduled programming do you know what I mean before the lights out match they said that so really this was their main event and why is this the main event? And why is why is the Good Brothers versus Mox and and Eddie not above this on the card? It's bizarre, right? Very, very bizarre. It didn't seem right at all. Um, and it's just another reason just to kind of look and be like, why have you done that? You like you're not tricking anyone. We all know that's the main event, um, the Brit match. Um, but because of this, this lights out unsanctioned, um, it's not. But they haven't seemed to think about it that much but what i wanted to say was i feel sorry for th2 at the moment because in a way that you know matt hardy signed private party and he was getting th2 involved now th2 they are they're obviously not 100 percent you know similar to private party but they're a lot more similar to private party than butcher and a blade and it seems like matt hardy's now acquired butcher and a blade because eddie kingston's gone off it was on a plate for them yeah it was on a plate for them for th2 to be to fill this role that butcher and blade now are they even when they came out together, Angelica was even vibing to Private Party's entrance music. Yeah, like and, and it, no, they, all it, wear the, they all wear the bright colours. They could coordinate their ring gear. It's it, on a plate, and they brought the yeah. butcher and the blade in. It makes no fucking sense. It's Ooh, like it's like Matt down. Hardy. Matt Hardy just sort of. It's like Matt Hardy had TH2, and then he got told by Tony Schiavone, not Tony, Tony Khan. Oh, um, yeah, the Tony. <laughs> the other Tony, uh, that Eddie's leave it well going off with Mox, so Butcher and the Blade are free, and Matt's like, oh, I'd much rather have Butcher and Blade like on my side, um, so it's kind of been like, okay, you can have Butcher and Blade, buy THC with no sort of reasoning, just dropped them because you know Matt Hardy's probably one of the well, he is one of the top blokes in AEW, and he's probably just said I'd prefer to work with Butcher and the Blade, which. I mean, it's a bit unfair on TH2, but um, this is obviously how it's ended, and it. And you've got like a handful of wrestlers in AEW who are just the random picks. So the ones where they want to have a match for either, you know, Ray Phoenix and this to obviously build up a bit of Ray Phoenix and pack screen time before their um, their tag team championship match. Um, and they've just got like a selection where they just go, oh yeah, we'll throw them in. They can work in singles or we'll throw them in. They can work in um, tag, i.e. Chaos Project come to mind. Obviously TH2 now. Um, the side owl brothers seem to be coming into mind as well. Just all these wrestlers, like jobbers, that, but not really jobbers. Yeah, space the, fillers. They're like if you look at the AW card and you split it up, you have got obviously your 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 top people. You know, um, that are the most relevant at that time. You have got the ones that are then like the the B ones. You know, the second, and then you have got these where they're not the indie talent, and the jobbers that are on dark getting like put over, but they're the ones that you know, you know, they they can wrestle. Um, but you know that you can put you can put the other wrestler over by having them face yeah so very weird match um yeah 
probably my one of my least favourites of the night, and which is weird since I love high flies, but yeah, just didn't didn't gel with me. Um, yeah, no, um, completely agree. Patrick, any anything you want to add to that before we move on? No, nothing. Like we're all. I think all on one point, this is really weird. And I like what that you pointed out, that this was actually the real main event and then it's even more uh, head-shaking that they're not putting the Good Brothers versus Eddie Kingston and uh, John Moxley into the main event. So, But let's see. And then we had Alex Marvez interviewing Miro and Kip. Well, he started interviewing Miro and then Kip graciously made his presence felt halfway through. Um, Miro said that He's over it with best friends. He's passed it. He doesn't want... Um, and I still don't know if this is a word or not, or it's just something Mirror's made up. He doesn't want uh, the match even with Chuck's offer of butlership. I don't know if that's a word or not. Um, uh, I, I, I feel like it isn't, but I don't know enough to dispute it. Um, then Kit came in and said, oh, they've ruined, they ruined my wedding. Um, you know, I... You know, take this match from me, let's have this match. Uh, and then, as is customary now in a Miro promo, he took another dig at WWE, which I think is getting a bit much now, to be honest, because I'm getting a bit bored of it. Um, oh, that's a criticism. I'll take a drink in a sec. Um, he, he, uh, he mentioned how he said something to Kip along the lines of, take it from me, if you want to get anywhere in the wrestling business, you don't want your wife ringside. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> So, yeah, that was obviously a dig for him being Rusev and Lana in WWE. Um, and then kind of, again, quite a confusing promo because when they left, Alex Marvez still wasn't clear whether they are having the match or not. He was like, are you taking the match? And Kip said, of course we're taking the match. Um, and then it kind of abruptly cut away and I feel like there was some of that promo cut out. Again, Dynamite being a bit weird today. Um, Patrick, thoughts on this promo? Mm, I was like also in this kind of like, oh, not again. I was hoping it was over at some point or they're getting at least like a singles match between Miro and Orange Cassidy that actually I think what everyone rather wants to see than everything else. Uh, by the way, I liked uh, that Orange Cassidy was posting uh, this week not on Dynam, probably not on Dynamite, Orange Cassidy. And he was he was correct with that. He wasn't there. That was really good. <laughs> he put that up on his Twitter or his social feed. And, that's funny because uh, it's like his teeth yeah that was really good truth. that's like classic custom. yeah right he was just selling the truth that was really good but yeah I, I like the reference actually but I also get that it's a little too much now with the WWE references also that uh, Don Callis was holding yeah, because no, Don Callis no was already down. holding up that shirt, already holding up that shirt. Don't slap your leg when you're kicking or so, you know, that, yeah. that's a little little too much now. But I I like that. And now that's the thing what I'm now a little happy about more than the Sting situations that we, we might have like an ending and seeing at the end of the horizon because... Uh, he said that you don't want to have your wife and he doesn't care about that. He just wants to be a world, world champion. So, yeah, this this clearly looks like it heads into the direction that they're splitting up. Uh, thankfully, finally, at some point, and Miro can go be so his good own for way. Miro. I don't know how they ever. Yeah, definitely. This, this was this was this was the way to introduce yeah. Miro to AEW. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm really looking forward to that now. Finally, after how long is he there now? Like like uh, three quarters of a year or so? I don't know when he came He's over. Flown by. It's yeah, this Mumbai, but feud, so. yeah, there, there was nothing from him really on screen, like not a real match. And then Marvez sped across the venue um, from their locker room because we are believing this is live, of course. 
um, and found the Dark Order's locker room. Didn't seem out of breath at all for running from one place to the other in seconds. Um, and got the an- wanted to get the answer for who will be answering Darby Allen's open challenge. Negative one wanted it, and they were like, maybe, uh, you know, you're only nine, maybe in uh, 15 years' time or whatever. Not 15. You could probably do it in about 10 years' time, couldn't you? Um, yeah, even yeah, Uno said uh, maybe in a decade. Decade, there mm. you go, 10 years. Yeah. Um, and then it was, of course, the meat man, John Silver, Johnny Hungy, Jack. Um, did you see it being anyone else? And following on what we talked about earlier, if they are making their way through the Dark Order, how do they follow this? No, I didn't see it being anyone else. Um, and to answer the next question, if they were to go with someone else next, uh, I'd like to see... Uh, I'd like to see... Let's go with Stu Grayson. Um, because I think that'd be a cool Really? Cool I thought you were going to say Preston Vance or Alan Five Angels. <laughs> um, His official name on this podcast. Of, of course, of course. Now, I'd, I mean, after saying that um, earlier, obviously they could work their way through. What? It would be cool if they worked their way through and then... But if they were going to do that, surely you wouldn't start with John Silver, would you? He'd or... Be the, he'd be or... The main event. <laughs> or they get for everyone and then they're, they're like, oh, we've run out of people. And then boom, Hangman comes in. Faces Derby, wins Classic, the TNT, like that. Yeah, wins the TNT title um, and brings the TNT title back to the Dark Order. Um, and then they have a lovely tribute for Brody, and then there you go, exactly. I'm happy, feel good moment. There we go, and that's that's what I'm gonna end on there. I think that's a nice, nice way to predict it for me. But now I'm happy with John Silver. Um, don't think he's gonna win, which is gonna be a shame. Um, I don't know who's gonna be the next one to take off Derby, but. Look forward to whoever it is when it happens. I reckon those two can put on a good match there. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. That brings us to the main event of the evening, or was it? Just want to get this out of the way, my negativity. Um, let's find out which one of these cans I've got in front of me. They're piling up, lads. I'm getting a bit shit-faced, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, which one of these actually has alcohol in? There's one. There's my sup, so I can be negative. Um, was it the main event? Here's the thing, right? Um, they have, cause, and I know why they're doing it, and that's fair enough, right? Um, you know, they want to be... I mean, it is... It, this. I mean, we all know this is basically the main event of a show. The last one on, whether they call it unsanctioned or not, it's basically the main event. But the precedent they've set before is that it's not the main event because they've wanted to, they've wanted to put over multiple people at once. Do you know what I mean? So, like, at Full Gear, when it was Kenny versus... Um, Kenny versus... Mox for the title. I can't remember who was who was. Um, Wasn't who was for the, the title. Last match on. No, not that's what I meant. Sorry, I'm getting drunk. Sorry, the, I'm saying the one below that was probably for the title. No. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. Was it Jericho, Jericho versus, versus Cody? Exactly. So they're saying this is the main event, and but and yet and they did it at Fighter Fest as well. Joe Janela versus John Moxley in an unsanctioned match. And they were like the elite versus um, the Lucha Brothers and Kid Laredo Kid. Um, they were like, this is the main event. And then, like I said, at Full Gear, they were like, okay, Cody Jericho, this is the main event because this one's a lights out match. You know what I mean? And they've made a very clear precedent of saying this isn't a main event because it's a light out, lights out match and it doesn't count on the thing. Now, when they are faced with having two women in the main event and being making what is, you know, regardless, a very kind of progressive move do you know what i mean having them kind of headline uh their show in such kind of physical contest 
they're they're saying they're calling it the main event. Do you know what I mean? Even when they have, um, oh man, I'm getting so pissed. Um, Justin Roberts in the ring saying uh, saying this ends our regularly scheduled card. Do you know what I mean? And lights going to black, and you know, even when they're still saying that the show's over and this doesn't count, this is a separate thing. They're still calling it the main event, which I understand. I understand why they're doing it. Do you know what I mean? They want to be seen as being quite, you know, they don't want to take it away from the girls, you know, what an accomplishment this is. But, uh, again, I want to I just say, if it really is that way, then why, do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what point I'm making. I've, I'm too many beers deep. Someone stop me. This was an incredible fucking match. Wrestling Observer Radio called it one of the greatest matches, one of the greatest women's matches they've we've ever seen in North America. Would you agree? I'm going to Jack. I know I've come to Jack a lot. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Too right you should come to Jack. Uh, no, this was insane. I don't even know where to start with this. I mean, I guess we, we start from the start. So, unsanctioned lights out match. I mean, this was a great way to finish off what's been a legendary women's rivalry. Not just in AEW, but just, as you said, in North American wrestling. I mean, these two are just stars. They made each other look so good. Um... And, I mean, the only negative I've got with this feud is that, you know, the the two previous matches, I think it's two previous singles matches they've had, um, Britt Baker's won them both. So now this is like the third one. Um, so Britt Baker's won, yeah, two out of two so far. Um, but no, unsanctioned lights out. These two, you know, they're, they're violent girls. This made sense for them. This feud is fiery. Um, and this, this was the only way they could kind of culminate it um obviously they come out gets off to a flying start um i'll let tom do play by play so i won't try and nick that from him but safe to say it goes all over the place as if you could as if you've taken notes <laughs> exactly exactly i don't take notes i just enjoy um but now this was this was an important match as well because from the criticism and i think everyone will agree criticism that the women's division got last year we we've said it multiple times we don't need Fucking to repeat garbage. it garbage 2020 um, well, i'm repeating it anyway the AEW 2020 women's division was hot garbage exactly and new year's resolution clearly from tony khan and AEW was this women's division needs to improve um and boy has it and this has just been and for me it was quite emotional watching they put on YouTube after the match a video with Thunder Rosa and um, Britt Baker. Just uh, it was just the after effects of the fallout of the match of you. So, so wish um, and you know you could tell it meant everything to these girls. Especially Thunder Rosa gave quite a powerful promo um, saying about how much this means for women's wrestling, um, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, and one of the best bits I like is after the match they. All the wrestlers seem to be gathering, gathering in one of these, one of the areas in Daly's place, um, and I think it was Thunder Rosa was walking, walking back. I don't know if it's heading to the locker room, but it was in this open space anyway. And all wrestlers were there just clapping and cheering as they were coming off, and that's just kind of, you know, I imagine they do do that often, but just to see it on camera, you know, like they, I the think they probably only do that with special matches. Yeah, there. exactly. And this was, and it seemed like um, there was a bit where. Britt Baker, it was the first clip off this video um, where she kind of looked a bit, you know, annoyed. I, I guess that's because she lost or whatever, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, Tony Khan was basically just saying to her, like, look, this was a legendary match. Like, this was, you know, one of our best dynamites we've done and you've, like, main evented it. This is something to be proud of. And it's true. 
Like this is this is a lot of work in the making. Like this women's division has not been easy to watch um, at times, and to see it now, and you know, it's pay off for investment. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Still watching it, you know. Exactly, and I know our mate VJ in um, the our wrestling chat says that the Thunder Rose is probably going to go back to NWA now, and um, yeah, I hope not. But if she does, and you know, I don't, I don't think she will personally. But even if she did. You know, she's left the AEW women's division in a lot better state than it state was than she in. Found it, yeah. Exactly. Um and I think you know what, there's some there's some really good girls in that division and I know you don't need Thunder Rosa. I know she's kinda had a good influence, but I'm hoping that, you know, they've learned something. There's enough there's enough care of those girls from NWA have uh, and uh, Serena Deeb's influence cannot be understated. I'm sure she's done some backroom work. But the matches she's had, how she's made people look and it's it's an investment. Do you know what I mean? How good you make someone look, they can then pass that on. It has a chain. It has a. It's a domino effect. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, massively. You make Take Conti look like a star. Take Conti then gets stuck from the fans. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where they they buy into her and and then she goes and has a great match with someone else. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just... No, it's just it's just nice, and it? it's just nice to see it happen like this. I mean, the match was brutal in itself. Like I said, I'll let you do play by play. I had some key moments, which you'll obviously touch on, but I just wanted to touch on that uh, because I think it is quite an emotional story, the AEW's women's division, and it's nice to... I got to... emotional watching it. I felt yeah. emotional watching it. It was, it, it was just it was just brilliant. Um, and hats off to AEW and the women's uh, division and Brit and Thunder Rosa for, you know making this match happen and, you know, putting their stamp on uh, women's wrestling history, really. Got my first five-star of the year um, from any match I've um, I will give it the play-by-play and I'll throw over to Patrick. Uh, okay, so we started out. Um, it was, oh, it was the first ever Dynamite uh, Lights Out match. And I will say this now, even though it occurs later, but Jim Ross, oh god, Jim Ross's commentary in this match. Okay, so Jim Ross said it was AEW's first lights out match. Um, no, it was AEW's fourth lights out match. Um, <laughs> it's um, Dynamite, as Excalibur got it right every time he said it, it was Dynamite's first. We had one at Fighter Fest, we had one at Full Gear, and we had one on Dark, but it was Dynamite's first. But um, Jim Ross, god bless him, uh, at one point called an audible saying it was AEW's first. Um, First lights out much, which it was not. Uh, okay, so started out, Brit flew at Rosa through the ropes um, and then hit her with an air raid crash, like, straight on the ramp. Like, immediately, you're like, okay, this is going to be a normal match. Um, got a chair out. We saw that Sheeta was watching. Um, Austin Gunn seemed drunk as they went into the crowd. And then, like, he... Did you not see him? They, like, went into the crowd. Austin Gunn was there going, Woo! <laughs> like he was like another fucking... annoying <laughs> moment of him. I was like, what? Oh, no, the no. Please. <laughs> it, this was spring break, Austin Gunn. <laughs> like, it's uh, he's off the clock. His lights out. He's gonna do some shots. Uh, that's what I'm putting it down to. Um, yeah, just this emotional, serious moment of Austin Gunn. Woo! Like a drunk girl at Mardi Gras. Um, Rosa misses a senton onto the chair. This was in the crowd. This was about when I started kind of noticing um, uh, annoying fake fans. Um, but yeah, she was going to do a senton onto a seated Britt Baker in the chair. Britt Baker gets up. Rosa misses, levels into the chair. They show Jade Cargo in the crowd because, of course, she's the handpicked. She's the Roman Reigns of the AW Women's Division, handpicked and all. Um, 
Brit and Rebel, not Reba, get the table um, and set that up. Uh, Rosa gets busted open, um, so she's pissing blood everywhere. It was just such a fast-paced match. I can only take a few highlights here. Um, that was great. I just want to call out, because what I love doing is calling out stuff that I think other people have overlooked, because I think of myself as a bit of an intellectual. <laughs> um, but no, uh, there was a bit where... Oh, it's hard to describe it with just your voice, but um, Britt was throwing some really unorthodox knee strikes. She got Rosa in, like, a kind of reverse headlock and was kneeing her like that. And I was like, hang about, this is quite... You know, it looked brutal, but also it looked quite, as I say, unorthodox and impressive. Um, yeah, uh, Rosa reversed uh, a move. I think it was... I'm trying to remember. Was it... They called it the blackout or the... No, I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's like... It's like the reverse STO, but I've forgotten what it's exactly called. I think she goes for another, so I've probably written it down later. But anyway, Rosa reversed a move um, into a chair that was propped into the corner, and she reversed it into a suplex, but she kind of botched the suplex. It wasn't enough for me to give to dock any points and give this a 4.75. Absolutely, it was still a 5. But um, she did botch a suplex onto the chair in the corner. Um, Rosa makes a pile of chairs, but Britt ends up being the one who uses them and superplexes her onto them. Um, this this was the point where JR botched the uh, first AEW Lights Out match. Um, Rosa ended up bulldogging Britt into the ladder. I think they were selling this as either this is the point where she got busted open because Britt gets busted open, or later on when she gets it drop kicked into her face, which happened next. Rosa kind of ran from the other side of the ring, drop kicked a ladder that was propped on the ropes into Britt's face. Um, and Britt absolutely just starts pissing blood. It was a... Uh, fantastic or brutal blade job depending on it. both both why not both there's um, now a t-shirt with that on by the way you can go buy at what, shop with, AW. Her, with her laughing of with course her. yeah yeah um rosa gets her own table out um brit is as i say just bleeding like crazy uh rosa starts biting her on the place where she's bladed which was fucking brutal just so much violence and emotion and one thing i noticed was every time every time brit got her by the hair to like point her face at the camera and humiliate her rosa even if she was getting beat down she like just started fighting back and like slapping her and it was just so much fire and just so much oh it was awesome shit um rosa hit a death valley driver off the fucking ropes onto a ladder um oh i've missed one note flatline that's what it's called brit um hit a flatline into the ladder um, that was what she tried to do into the chair earlier. Then Rosa hit the Death Valley dri driver off the ropes into the ladder. Um, this was... Uh, then Britt kicked out. And this was the point where they got the shot of Britt just laughing, covered in blood. Um, yeah. Britt then gets the thumbtacks out. Um, I legit thought... I don't know if she did. I legit thought when she got these out, I thought she was going to get a handful of them and do the um, lockjaw with, with a mouthful of uh, thumbtacks. Maybe that was a little too brutal, but like... Yeah, that would be the same. The standard they were set. I mean, that has been done before, th thumbtacks and mouth. Uh, it's been done a few times. One that I remember is... Um, oh, Jay Briscoe versus Adam Cole in Ring of Honor. I think it was a fight without honor match. Um... I think Adam Cole put thumbtacks in Jay Briscoe's mouth and super kicked him out. That would have been um, cool then if Britt done that to honor yeah, her boyfriend. Yeah, 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 because of Adam Cole, it would have been a throwback, but I guess maybe they wanted to, Patrick's searching something, they wanted to um, subsist on like their Patrick, own. Patrick, watching porn whilst we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 
this point, I actually stopped taking notes because uh, because it got so good. That's something like when I get just when a match is so good that I stop taking. I can't even take notes anymore because I can't take my eyes off the action. That's when I know it's some good shit. So perhaps someone else wants to fill me in on the kind of play by play of the finish, but. Um, Rosa hit her, her finisher she hit it through the table didn't she the other table that had been set, set up um, sorry for burping that's the drinkiness um, yeah she uh, and then they kind of scrambled to get uh, Brit's shoulders to the ground and then pinned her what a match um, I will just say JR kind of ruined it by something he said at the end I don't know if you heard this call immediately after one of the greatest match women's matches we've ever seen in North American history, JR <laughs> makes the most fucking misogynistic, accidentally, I think, accidentally misogynistic audible, and said, both ladies are damaged goods. And I was like, oh, JR. Oh, JR. <laughs> that was the first thing he said when he finished. That's the... You know, that's the the money call is what happens when the three gets counted. That's the Michael Cole at WrestleMania when the Undertaker's streak gets beaten saying the streak is over. You know, that's that's the moment. The and 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 the moment the money call for this match <laughs> is JR calling two women damaged goods. <laughs> um aside from JR trying his best to fuck up this match, Patrick where does this stand in the greatest women's matches North America has seen? Uh, first of all, the match was really awesome. Um, also, this kind of match is really rare, rare with women, not only in North America, but I think around the world. I remember, uh, I remember met... yeah, I, I just I just want to cut you off. And I can't even remember, yeah. I've cut you off for a completely pointless reason, because I can't even remember <laughs> either. You I can't, can't remember, remember either of the competitors <laughs> in it, but I remember the first time... I saw it was ICW and it was ICW before they got into bed with WWE and they up in Scotland just if anyone doesn't know insane championship wrestling they produce guys like Grado um, Drew McIntyre went there for a while as Drew Galloway um, yeah they there was a women's match I think it main evented it as well um, and they had a women's kind of hardcore death match and it's the first time I'd seen anything like that and it was amazing and I wish I could remember if anyone out there knows what it is um, please, please get in touch and tell me. You can get us at uh, WANK Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. But um, yeah, no. Oh, Patrick, what's our email address? Our email address is wankwrestling at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Patrick. Yeah, um, two girls, and they got an ironing board involved at some point. And um, they, you know, because at this point, IC, ICW took place in a bar. So they were like, they were like doing moves off the bar and they like set the ironing board up in the corner and did like moves off that. It was, it was insane. I was like, ah, oh, what? And I just, I just remember thinking, I think this is probably prior to the women's revolution in WWE as well. I was like, why can't they just do this? Why can't women just do this? Do you know what I mean? And now to see it, and it is, it is a game changer because like AEW put their own star stamp on the women's movement, which they've really only caught the arse end of because WWE have pretty much done it all. Do you know what I mean? Um, or NXT at least did it all with the four horsewomen. Um, and then with their main eventing, you know, pay-per-views, having their own pay-per-view, their main eventing at WrestleMania. But one thing they haven't done is had a match like this on an international scale from a big, you know, card. So this is the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa really stamped their own place in history in this match. Carry on. Yeah, right, completely right. Also, <clears throat> but I think also like because of the PG era shit, they are not doing that. Uh, which is sad. They're delivering. I heard that's ending, though. I heard that's yeah. moving back to TV 14. 
Yeah, yeah, but they're still not showing blo blood. I think even when they're now banning uh, that when you when you get they're kicked that they're slapping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually in in US saying bad words is more uh, is is worse than uh, graphic graphic things like that. Yeah, you know, and also nudity. But anyway, um, yeah great match i can just say it again it was so entertaining it was hard hitting it was not just pure violence it was hard hitting uh, one at one point coming back to the brian cutler brian cutler and and peter avalon match way where uh, brian, uh, brian cutler, cutler. <laughs> what is his name again brandon, brandon. oh my fucking god i'm really bad with <laughs> names <Cutler>. jack tom <laughs> no um he put out this uh, what W twenty D twenty or so uh, 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 um, die or dice out of it uh, from the Dungeons and Dragons he's doing always. So that that was a thing where I was like, why didn't they put in or why uh, uh, did Britt Baker didn't put in like a dental bridges or so like yeah, something that would have been, that would have been cool. dentist related? That would have been really cool. Although thumbtacks are really also pretty sick, but. Uh, yeah, I like that. Like also the storytelling in it was was great. It was just like uh like you also said, Jack. Maybe I I didn't think about it until you said it. This might have been the end of the feud, maybe of uh, Thunder Rosing uh, Thunder Rosa being on on uh on Dynamite. I don't know. Well, uh, it was it was VJ that said it. Yeah, but Oh, VJ I, then. Yeah, yeah okay. but I, I think I think you know, there's a chance. There is a chance. I think because NWA is not getting back to like a regular schedule where you're also making a lot of money mm. or so, I guess that's that's one thing. And I think they also still have a cop uh, uh, like a, a, a um, joint venture with them or anything that they're still doing that because AEW has the one of the best infrastructures now in wrestling during these pandemic times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just awesome and also. I'm just looking at at my calendar is just uh, one not even one quarter of the year is gone and they completely did a 180 degree turnaround with the whole women's division in it's that amazing. short amount of time and it's amazing and now I'm really looking forward to what's to come in the rest of the year and the near future um, what was interesting but this is my critic I'm gonna drink afterwards but my criticism is that uh, Shida was shown in the back I'm sorry, I was just, gonna, just I, I hate to cut you off because I was yeah. literally about to I was literally debating should I be critical and mention Sheila? Um finish what you were saying and then I'll yeah, it I didn't well. make sense. Yeah, the, the well, thing is like what... you said you said it before that uh, Red Velvet is the number one ranked women, but but nothing is involved nothing there is with Sheila, so we're coming back so to the point then where um where the dark matches are really just happening to have like a like a good ranking or so for the ranking system to have a lot of wins but it's not really involving it because why is Sheeta then watching that match with her women's title on although none of the both competitors when, is when really ranked high yeah. yeah and red velvet is number one contender so that's that's the little thing i have to say there but this this is nothing for the match itself it's more the segment or how aw presented it so i would also say like i'm, I'm not doing a ranking a lot also here in the podcast but this is a, a five-star match definitely i was just about to ask you would you call it a five would you call it a five jack definitely perfect that's definitely five words, yeah, match. yeah that's perfect with the one botch in it but this one botch was like no the one match two. was so good or two that the match was yeah. so good which lets you forget about this because exactly. everything was top notch so then you're so like okay think, that's I don't think the match. Cody I don't think Cody Dustin which was AEW's 
I mean, a wrestling observer newsletter five star match, but also in my mind a five star match before I even heard their rating, before I get the internet fucking marks calling me a Dave Meltzer dick rider. Um, uh, that was that wasn't that wasn't a flawless match in terms of wrestling execution, but I was no, still definitely say that was not. But storytelling match. and five yeah, stars, storytelling, you know I mean? wrestling, storytelling, just keeping you uh, uh, completely like dragged into the story emotionally, and that's what wrestling is also all about. And this is also what the match was here about. It was just yeah, not was the hard hitting stuff, and also the emotional stuff. You're like, yeah, you're really buying it. You're like, okay, I'm gonna buy. It. You just really fucking hate each other after just, all these things, and great. Just when it was so raw, just when. Um, Rose yeah, Rose is a good word. Rolling, rolling her into thumbtacks to get out of the lockjaw, and just and just Britt Baker just roaring and screaming and laughing with her face covered in blood. I'm like, this is fucking war. Do you know what I mean? I was for so sure, for sure. I bought into it so hard. It was just fucking art, man. Um, yeah, five stars all the way. Um, what I was going to say about my negative. I'm going to be really negative now. I shouldn't end the show so negative after uh, after such a good match. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say probably the most controversial thing I've ever said on this podcast. I think Hikaru Shida's overrated. Oh, so can we can we pick up there? Yeah, there was the thing I think we talked last week or in the Revolution review before uh, yeah. about that that some people are saying on the internet or just just bragging. Ah, Hikaru Shida's just the women's championess because of uh, because she's Kenny Omega's girlfriend. Which is well, not confirmed. Sure, do we? Exactly. No, we don't know that. And Kenny Omega also tweeted uh, before the show, I guess, like, yeah, it's like out there, like something like, yeah, it's out there. I'm, I'm preferring, I'm, no, I'm dating uh, so many people out there. I seem to date so <laughs> yeah. many people, but I just like a lot of people, something like this. So, um, yeah, he's maybe referring a little bit to that backlash, but, <clears throat> sorry, but uh, I agree with you, Tom, in terms of, kind of view of things which we've seen uh, the last weeks to be really honest like i saw like at least half of the rest wrestlers women's wrestlers competing in the uh tournament are in ring better than uh hikaru shida and more um i don't know the word anymore not in english but i'm i'm buying it more from them their athleticism very hard word for a german with a th in it <laughs> and an l behind but uh yeah that's what i'm buying more i like shida i also i don't know if i gave her like the women's wrestler award last year or so because last year i think she was there to build it up or shift it a bit but i didn't see un yeah i didn't see the improvement now that or not, not not an improvement really but i don't see her now really that good anymore after the first almost three months of women's wrestling now in AEW, seeing Thunder Rosa, Serena Deep, Britt Baker having a fucking awesome progress in her all overall thing and also like uh, uh, in-ring-wise, not as a character only, but this match showed that she's in-ring also good. And then I really have to ask, like, is Shida really that good that she is a championess? And she, I don't think she is. And I don't think it's anything to do with Abina Joshi. I talked about on... Um... I was on one of our episodes a while ago. I know neither of you had seen it in less important shows. I was talking about um, TJPW's, Tokyo Joshi Pro's Positive Chain. And there were so many Joshi wrestlers in that. I absolutely loved. Um, Miyu Yamashita, I've just, I think she's the best women's wrestler in the world. And she she was one, she tagged with Makito at Positive Chain. And then they went on to tag together um, during the tournament of Winter Lovers. Um, the names they have over there, man, I swear. <laughs> There's, uh, there's, 
yeah, there's a there's a wrestler over there. I'm trying to think that kind of reminds me of kind of Japanese Layla Hirsch. I don't know if it's um, oh, is it Yuki Kamafuku or no? I can't remember. Anyway, but they've got Anguilla in um, in in Stardom. There's some amazing Joshi's out there. So it's nothing to do with Joshi style, but I don't think the ones they've brought to maybe with the exception of Yuka Sakazaki, the ones they've brought to. AEW full time are are the best. Um, I, I I'm talking mainly about Hiko Rashida and Riho to a certain extent. I like Riho can sell really well because of flexibility, but again I I I, I kind of find her a bit overrated. And I think there are other Joshi's, and you just saw the kind of reception that Maki Ito got recently when she came in. There are other Joshi's they could be bringing in, but um, yeah, I don't want to end on too ne- too much of a negative note because we had such a a good good women's match but i think i just think i just think it's quite telling that that um the longest reigning champion hikaru shida presided over one of the worst years in women's wrestling for a promotion i've ever seen and then uh in the year that they turn it around has had practically nothing to do with it despite still being champion do you know what i mean um so yeah i mean i'd i'd, I'd love to have my mind changed please change my mind do you know what i mean because um, you know, and she can go. Do you know what I mean? And she can. She she had a decent match. She got a decent match at Nyla Rose, so she can. I think she's good. I just don't think she's great. Do you know what I mean? But hey, that brings us to the end of our show. Lovely, lovely chatting with you fellas again. We uh, we obviously have our our card for the. I tell you what, should we should we uh, should we have one of these? While you are Sweet. looking up the card, I can Did drop you, in the numbers. The My name is Finley. Don't you interrupt, <laughs> Finley. <laughs> He loves to drink. I've got to okay, say, I'm boys, I have, I have stopped drinking because I've been. I'm. I'm too full, man. I can't. Oh. I can't get a drink down me. So I'm shit face, Jack. <laughs> well, it, is that, it was that takeaway. Oh, he's I mean... off on it again. <laughs> he loves to drink. He loves to drink. Have another. <laughs> I've got to say, Patrick's tactical eating before drinking might have um, might have worked for him. I seem to have hit some sort of. I. I'm just yeah. Before we do that, let's talk about our match of the night. I mean, obviously, obviously our match of the night was Jade Cargill versus that jobber whose name I've forgotten. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'll start us off. My match of the night was Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. Completely agree. Completely. I also agree. Jack? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just got to be done. I feel like the women have won more match of the nights or almost as much as the men, (laughs) even though they've only had one... um, one one main event or you know that's debatable but still right, right card Jack, for next week then next yes let's um let's go in terms of i mean actually let's just go from top to bottom um singles match for the tnt championship darby allen versus john silver a tag match ftr is sean spears versus varsity blondes and dante martin um with tully blanchard at ringside a singles match between Nyla Rose and Tay Conti with Vicky Guerrero at ringside. And the most confusing match, I remember seeing this being announced on the show. Um, a singles match, uh, AEW World Championship Eliminator match between Kenny Omega with Don Callis at ringside versus Matt Seidel with Mike Seidel at ringside. And, and Matt Seidel gets a title shot if he beats Kenny Omega. So yeah. I feel like he's going to beat Kenny Omega. Like, otherwise, <laughs> why even introduce a stipulation? That's, it, it's very that bizarre. Is, yeah. Like you said, it's very weird and confusing. Um, what, match, what match are you looking forward to the most off that, Jack? Um, let's go for... 
Uh, let's go for Darby Allen versus John Silver. I think I've got to back my boy Johnny Hungier. <laughs> Johnny Hungier, that is the standout one, Patrick. Johnny Hungier also. Johnny Hungier. Tom, I've got to say, I'm I am. Te- don't you Tom me? I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, don't you I, Tom uh, me? I am. I am tempted to go for the. Matt Seidel, um Kenny Omega match purely out of curiosity because that one has my interest peaked, not necessarily in a 100% good way, in a mixed feelings way but I also think that Nyla Rose take Conti is going to be an interesting one because it's a rematch obviously as we know from the women's world title mm. tournament and um, the number one contenders tournament and we all thought that Tay Conti might go over so I'm thinking maybe now I mean unless they're just planning on just burying Tay Conti and using her a punch- punching bag I feel like Maybe she will get the the um, the surprise when we all hope she would, and it will be the start of building Tay Conti up for a title challenge sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do agree. You know what it's time for, don't you? Are you ready? £25 pounds well spent. How much? <laughs> Did you say 25 quid? <laughs> 25 you didn't say the price last week when I asked, so you've just exposed it now. 25 quid? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I did. Well, that's what nine jobs shows. Um, shall we talk about the New Japan Cup? Has anyone seen any of the New Japan Cup? Uh, I've not seen any, but I've seen promos. <laughs> I did watch... What was the one I watched? Um, Shingo Tagai... Oh, watched Kenta versus uh, Minoru Suzuki, and Kenta literally read a newspaper for the first, like, third of the match, <laughs> just to annoy Minoru Suzuki. Nice. He literally brought a newspaper to the ring, sat down in the corner and started reading a newspaper, and then just kept doing it to piss off Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> and then Amazing. Suzuki gets him out of the ring. I know, Suzuki gets him out of the ring and then finally gets the newspaper off him, puts it down in the middle of the ring, sits in front of the newspaper, and Kenta's outside the ring, and Minoru goes like, Come on, read it now then. <laughs> like, like, come on, sit in front of me now and read it. Um, it was it was some hilarious banter. Then um, Shingo Tagagi versus Hiroki Goto. I was telling you all, and none of you took my advice, I was telling you all to watch this. It was fantastic, although I still don't think it was better than Goto versus Tai Chi from the first round. So if you anyone hasn't seen that yet, do go back and watch it. Um, it's now time to talk about Sacrifice. I haven't seen Sacrifice. I was literally in the process of watching Sacrifice when we started this this call. I needed to do some editing for our... Um, I'll tell you what, for this. Uh, so let's... let's uh, <laughs> you know what it means. My name is Finley, and I love the prank! <laughs> yeah, me and Patrick are still in. <laughs> I was editing for that, so yes. I had to pause Sacrifice and couldn't finish Sacrifice. However... I don't want to hear any spoilers other than the one I've already heard, so I'm going to take my headset off and let you two hang out without me like you did at Revolution. Back to better yeah. times, eh, Patrick? Just us two. Yeah, it's just the two of us again. <laughs> well, have you have you seen Sacrifice? Uh, porn started once. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't see Sacrifice. I just watched the main events, the, the the finishes or bigger happenings in it. I wanted to watch it still, but I didn't manage to. But as we can talk now that we know that there are new tag team champs, that the title's first time out of the promotion. Yeah, for sure. For sure, that looks cool. Venture. Yeah, yeah, very excited about that. That's going to be awesome. Um, Did you watch that match in full? I, I didn't. The only match I watched in full was uh, Rich Swan versus Moose. So I don't know. You, you take the lead with this one, and I'll talk about the Rich Swan Moose one. Yeah, I just, it was was really clean, uh, really nice finish from... Uh, from the from from uh, sorry the tag team title match, 
from Finjuice. Really, like, not, not a roll-up or anything. Shot the finisher. I don't know how the finisher is called yet, I have to admit. Uh, and pinned them. I was like, when I saw the finisher, I was like, really? Is this now happening? They lost the titles. And they won the titles in another promotion. Just great. Like I said, I have to watch the full match. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also the main event, I didn't expect Rich Swan to win. Spoiler. Ah, <laughs> so, so, so we all, I remember saying last yeah. week, we were all shocked. Um, well, we all thought maybe Moose would take it. I was backing Rich Swan, um, but you guys seemed to back Moose, and I kind of swayed towards that. But um, but now the match was the match was class, to be fair. I mean, Rich Swan is a really good wrestler. Um, to, yeah. to have a person like Moose um, challenge you, I mean, to the fact that we all thought Moose was going to win just shows. Um, nah, I, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, really enjoyed it, and yeah, just I think I think it's well deserved that Rich gets the um, the shot against Kenny for both titles. I think I'm not too. Sh- I mean, obviously I'll watch it, but I'm not too hyped for that one because, as I always say, I, I prefer the matches where I don't know what's going to happen, and I think we can all tell Kenny's going to win that one. Um, because I definitely, don't, I definitely. don't believe Rich Swan's going to be the AEW World Champion as much as, no. as cool as it, as it would be. But that's going to be a really cool match anyway. Um, so yeah, so Rich Swan still holds the title, and um, yeah, on what date is it? April, some sometime in April. We 24th. get twenty fourth, twenty fourth of April. Is it twenty fourth yeah. April? Yeah. We get Rich Swan, the Impact World Champion, versus Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion, yeah. uh, and whoever wins gets both belts, which you know. It's going to look really dope, whoever does it's get just, it. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if they will introduce uh, a single belt for uh, for Impact now, because Rich Swan still has both titles on him. Yeah. Maybe they're going to get rid of the old title and just say, yeah, we're just going to leave it here. The Impact title is, mm. is way more important. But it's really dope. Maybe to see Kenny with three belts. I don't know. But uh, it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I'm also, like like you said, I'm, I'm really... Uh, really sure that Kenny will win that thing and uh, also interesting like like I said before that I read that they didn't plan any storylines yet for after the pay-per-view but it's not a bad sign maybe they're just planned up until there and now they're sitting together and putting everything together what happens afterwards hopefully with NJPW being a little more involved well you've got you've got an NJPW yeah you've got an NJPW tag team having an impact belt You've got you. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, you're going to have an AW wrestler having an Impact belt. Um, so who's to say, you know, who's to say an Impact talent doesn't win um, the TNT belt off Derby, and then every, and then each, also. Of the, each of the promotion has another one's belt, except New Japan. But yeah. New Japan, like you imagine, eventually in the future, you're going to have Kenny versus Kotobushi. It's a really exciting time. I'm I'm enjoying seeing them all kind of move around each other's promotions and yeah long may it continue it's been lovely talking to you lads even though i am off my tits <laughs> I'm, I'm actually gutted i i when i look <laughs> back now i should not have had that takeaway because i now feel bloated yeah. and i wish i could have drunk more but you know whatever you did a few, too, fair few yeah. pre-drinks to be fair I, I don't need an occasion to drink my i'll probably drink next Finley. week and i love to drink there you go <laughs> yeah i'll just drink next week to make up for it thanks for joining us again from wherever you are in the world. Yeah, it's goodbye from a very drunk me. Uh, any parting words, Patrick? It's your it's your namesake day. Or oh, was yesterday anyway. Yeah, right. No, it was yesterday. Yeah, it was was lovely. My I have to say, like my club won after six games of losses, won finally again on St. Patrick's Day, it was a blast. And then having such a good show. 
That's just wonderful. This was uh, this was Patrick's football team who share a name with a popular fast food ch- chicken restaurant. Other um, fast food chicken <laughs> restaurants are available. <laughs> yeah. Chicken Cottage FC. No, it's just KFC. <laughs> I've run out of I've run out of, of wrestler catchphrase to borrow. So I'll tell you what there is a bigger kind of uh, deposit of is wrestling facts that are relevant to our episode. How's that? How should I end up with that? So I'll, see, I'll show you how it works. So for the end of this show, I will give you the friendly reminder that Hornswoggle is the bastard son of Vince McMahon in kayfabe. Goodbye and good night.